0: Catching you up on the latest stories from around the Sunshine State that you should know, heading into this Monday morning, December 5th. I'm Jacob Sidesi, and this is The Point from WUFT News. (music) Hurricane Ian wreaked havoc upon Sanibel Island and many of the structures upon it. Among the structures damaged, the Sanibel Public Library. The library just reopened to the public, but with its collection virtually unharmed. I spoke with WGCU's Carrie Barber about how the books survived and the services the library is offering that are most essential to the community at this time.
1: I just published an article about the Sanibel Public Library reopening on December 1st, which was a really important milestone in the recovery for the island which people may know got really trashed in hurricane ian the library reopening was an important event because it's sort of like a community center for the island and it's a place for people to use services and power etc etc and so it's more than just like a place to take out books
0: so, of course, you mentioned that Sanibel Island was one of the areas hit the hardest by Hurricane Ian. What damage did the Sanibel Library specifically feel?
1: Well, amazingly, this library saw very little damage. It's on the highest point of the island, so that was in its favor. The other thing is, they don't have any books or media physical media on the ground floor so their ground floor is just like a their main entrance and a meeting room and that floor got very damaged but it wasn't any of their assets as a library so to me it was just almost miraculous i entered the second floor of the library and it's all imperfect condition as though no hurricane ever happened. And I forgot to ask them whether that was on purpose. I imagine it was because they've survived several hurricanes at this point in that building, but it's brilliant planning.
0: Yeah. So how did you learn about all this? Who did you speak to?
1: There's a reference librarian named Beth Gerald who I was talking to over Twitter and stuff during the hurricane because I saw that they were really great with their social media and they were offering services to their patrons. Even when they were closed and there was nobody working there, they were offering, electronic books and research and things like that and they were helping people on the island even when they weren't open and when they weren't there so i love that and it just showed what a vital resource that that library is so i had done a couple of stories on the library and then I saw something that they posted that they were going to be reopening again physically. And so I knew that I wanted to get over there. So I talked to Beth Gerald, this reference librarian, and I talked to a couple of patrons who were there that day for the opening day and a couple of the other library staff.
0: Can you talk a little bit about some of the resources that the library offers and why they're so vital to the community right now?
1: First of all, they have blazing Wi-Fi, which is a lot of the island doesn't yet have cell service or Wi-Fi in their homes, if their homes are even still standing. I mean, when I drove over to the library, it was it's really heartbreaking the island is still in very bad condition. The buildings are demolished, you know, you can see through many of them. So as you know, if you've been through this, there's a million forms to fill out, you have to call your insurance company, you have to, there's all this paperwork that has to happen. And if you don't have Wi Fi, it's really difficult. So the library offers Wi-Fi. They also lend out Wi-Fi hotspots, which I thought was amazing. So if you have cell service at your house, you could check out a, a hotspot, take it home and do your electronic paperwork at home. They have air conditioning, of course, and a nice clean place for you to just meet with people if you need to meet with people. They have copy machines, of course, fax machines. All that sort of, just, just sort of a business center, and it's just in a nice, clean, quiet, air-conditioned place so that if your house is destroyed or under construction, it's just a nice place to kind of feel normal and to be able to get some work done.
0: Yes, those resources are definitely great, but is there anything that's left for the library to rebuild or reintroduce before its operations are fully back to 100%?
1: Well, they're only open on weekdays, 10 to 3 for December. We'll see what happens in January. I don't know. And then they have curbside pickup, I think, from 11 to 3. I'm not sure about those hours. So the hours are not what they normally are. And then the other thing is, it's really hard to get over to Sanibel if you don't have a resident hurricane pass or a commercial hurricane pass. You really can't get over there. Like I, one of the librarians had to come meet me on the other side of the bridge and pick me up and take me. They, she very kindly brought me over because I couldn't, I tried every which way to get some sort of media access over there and I couldn't do it. So that's, that's a big hurdle is just getting there. But if you do live there, the things that are limited, I would say now are just the hours.
0: That was WGCU's Carrie Barber on the Sanibel Public Library reopening for the first time since Hurricane Ian and the services it's offering the community during this time. Now let's catch you up on today's top stories from around the state. The University of Florida's backup quarterback played his whole season in the shadows of struggling starter Anthony Richardson. And now, it turns out, a sensational child pornography investigation, too. Fresh Take Florida's Julia Coyne reports that the criminal investigation into Jalen Kitna began in June and unfolded slowly over five months. Kitna was released from jail on an $80,000 bond late Thursday after his first court appearance in a case involving five felony counts of possessing and distributing child pornography online. Legal challenges to six candidates seeking to be appointed by Governor Ron DeSantis to two appellate courts took another twist after plaintiffs filed requests to disqualify Florida Supreme Court Justice Renatha Francis from the case. The News Service of Florida reports that the challenges contend the candidates vying for seats on the Fifth District Court of Appeal and newly created Sixth District Court of Appeal are ineligible because they live outside the jurisdictions of those courts. And finally, the Space Force activated its second regional headquarters in Tampa, Florida. WFLA reports that the headquarters will put focus on space-related defense issues within U.S. Central Command. Subscribe to The Point newsletter, which drops the latest Florida stories into your inbox every weekday morning at 8 a.m. Visit wuft.org for more information. I'm Jacob Sidesi, and you've been listening to The Point from WUFT News out of the University of Florida. Have a great Monday.